you're the boss. I just, I just feel like it's always on my shoulders. Well, heavy is the head that wears the crown, Jay. <laughs> so the crown. Oh man, I can't even joke about any of that. All right, we may actually have to just start it like normal. Well, we're already recording, so. Why do we keep doing this to ourselves? Doing it to ourselves or doing it to our listeners? Oh, that's a good point. This is definitely punishing them. Let's stop doing that. It's definitely worse for them than it is for us. Yeah. All right. Let's stop that. Welcome to the Faith Church Peshtigo podcast. You can connect with us online at faithpeshtigo.com. We're also on Facebook. Just search for Faith Church Peshtigo. Today's podcast features a conversation between Pastor Jay and Pastor Robbie talking about the sermon from September 6th, 2020. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Faith Church podcast. I am one of your hosts, Jay, and with me, as per usual, is Robbie. Hello, everyone. Glad you're with us today. I hope they're glad that they're with us. Oh, you're glad that they're with us. I am glad that they are with us. We it cannot will be speak. up to them to determine whether they are glad. Yes. And that could change over the course of this podcast. It's most likely going to it change. It almost certainly will. Yeah. They'll probably go back and forth. Like, this is the time where people start to hit the fast forward button if they know that they have one. Like, skip ahead 15 seconds or whatever. Dad, it is. You, or, or, or listen on like 1.5 speed. I, I feel like that's dangerous with us, though. We're moving at a pretty good clip here. So it's hard to, it, the, you will miss several of the profundities if you try to listen to it at, at a higher speed. Yeah. So I, I, uh, I'm going to, gloss over you using the term profundities but i've noticed that i've been talking faster i think during sermons because i have the timer now on my ipad and oh yeah i haven't got helpful yeah i haven't gotten gutsy enough to do the countdown i think that would be good and like if i could program my ipad to just shut off at a certain time but i have it counting up and so then sometimes i feel like oh man i gotta i gotta get this in there so I feel like I've been talking faster. But I don't know if that's just my perception or if that's reality. It didn't feel like you were speeding up this last Sunday anyway. It didn't. Hey, before we get going, though, I feel like we need to address the the elephant in the room. Which is? Your salad. I just feel mean? like... What? Why was that the elephant in the room? It's, nobody it's... nobody <laughs> even knew that was in the room. Right, but I'm calling attention <laughs> to the elephant. I just... The definition like... of an elephant in the room means everyone knows this thing is in the room, but nobody knew that until you just addressed it. Well, now it is the elephant in the room. Is it? Well, because everybody's thinking about it now. They're saying, what happened with Robbie's salad? <laughs> we just had a little bit of office drama, and I feel like if people, the, the whole thing of the podcast is, hey, these are things we're thinking about and talking through and, and just you know, giving people a little bit of insight. And the insight is that not four minutes ago, you went on a rampage trying to figure out where your salad went. We had a real life mystery on our hands. Rampage feels like a bit of an overstatement. Well, a Robbie rampage, which was, which was you meandering through the halls being like, Hey, have you seen my salad? Have you seen my salad? I was like, whoa, Robbie, tone it down. <laughs> Robbie Rampage. For Robbie, that's like vein <laughs> pulsing out of his forehead. And so I was getting nervous. I was like, at first I heard you say, did somebody take my salad? And I 
couldn't even grasp like how is that even possible? Somebody <laughs> took your salad. Too bizarre. It's so bizarre. To be real. And Leslie just laughed about it. She didn't right. had she had nary a concern about your salad. She just thought it was funny that you couldn't find it. And it's just like a little dorm fridge. It's not like you lose it. And so I'm thinking, how is this even possible that someone took your salad? But someone took your salad. They did. They Are, did. They absconded with my salad. And and I don't know if we should mention any names. I think to protect the person, we should not use I would the feel bad. You're making me feel so guilty because I've already apologized to this person by making a joke of the incident, and now we're recording it for posterity. Okay. Well, <laughs> I think I think we should I think we should not use the name, but I think we'll just say um, K. Katzbeck. That's what we'll say. No, wait, that's too obvious. We'll go with Christoph K. That's what we'll use. So this person, this this person took your salad but here's where it gets even more bizarre so you find <laughs> out and in his response was like when you were going around and again to catch everyone up robbie was meandering through the hall saying have you seen my salad have you seen my salad and we were all saying no i'm not seeing your salad and then you get to christoph's office and you say have you seen my salad and christoph's <laughs> response was oh was that your salad that's correct. What kind of a response? What I what, so, what troubles you about that response? Because it obviously wasn't his salad. Like, <laughs> was, oh, was it your salad? He already knew. I just pictured him sitting there waiting as he hears you down the hall. Have you seen my salad? <laughs> uh, like, you keep, you keep getting more and more mouse-like <laughs> with your impression of me. He's sweating bullets, <laughs> waiting for you to get to his door, hoping that somehow, like, Jesus would return in that moment so he did not have to face <laughs> you coming into him. And The, the barely and you, suppressed and rage you get of to your impression office, of Piglet from Winnie right? the Pooh. And you get in there and you say to Christoph, and he says, oh, was that your salad? Yes! It's because oh. he thought it was his salad. Okay. Because in okay. in in Kay Katzbeck's defense, he purchases the precisely the same salad, and so he thought this was one that I purchased myself. Okay, which would make sense, except <laughs> where was the salad? Where did he reach? So he says, "Oh, was that your salad?" And he and we cannot make this up. Reaches into his garbage can. <laughs> And pulls out the salad. <laughs> not the yes. salad packaging. Not like, oh, he had accidentally eaten it thinking it was his. And he ate it and then threw away the wrapper or the packaging no. of it. He pulls out the packaged full salad from the garbage. With, without further explanation, it did appear that he not only wanted to deprive me of my lunch anyone of ever eating this particular salad it, it was by throwing it into the trash yeah like to me that's like a it's a next level thing i mean he could have been <laughs> sitting there oh was that your salad and then i picture him like opening it and putting it in a bowl and then eating it in front of you <laughs> that that would also have been an awesome would have, response would have been uncharacteristically aggressive of oh, him to do that yes but you in fairness you were also being aggressive going around saying have you well, seen my salad? so you were 
you were clearly already upping the ante. So it was, he, it was escalating so he pulls it out of the, the garbage. But then what I loved was you just walked away. You didn't. Did. <laughs> oh, something just fell. Um, you walked away. You didn't say anything to him. You couldn't even look at him, Robbie. <laughs> Is that true? Just so aghast. You were so aghast. You, you. Well, no, I walked. I walked away because it was time to record this podcast. Oh, that's that okay. was. Well, specifically and now, the reason that I walked away. Okay, is that a hint? We should move on with the podcast. I, I just think people would like to know what goes on here. The, the happy ending though is that you salvaged the salad, and since it was sealed, that's you right. will be eating that post haste yeah. after the moment the moment i stop hitting record i will eat the recovered salad and all is once again right in the world drama in this office so anyway all right well let's move on then i think that's a good idea so this weekend i did so this is the second week in a row that i said something that made you second or third week in a row where i've said something that made you go huh i think that's good you're keeping me on my toes Right, I'm 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 actually paying attention, and and you've got a couple of good gets on me, a couple of a couple of one-liners. And this last week, I told you it, you almost you tossed it out there, almost like it was a throwaway line, and I felt like it needed quite a bit more unpacking. Uh, I, I think in the context of your sermon, it made sense why you didn't take more time to unpack it, but that's what the podcast is for, right? So I Correct. was looking forward to being able to dig a little deeper into it because I think. I think it is true, and I think it is profound, and I think it is confusing. So I think... Well, now that is actually, we are now, that is officially an elephant in the room. So why don't you... That is an elephant in the room. Okay, so you you at one point, uh, and it wasn't even one of your major message points. It was kind of at the end of an illustration. You you said the phrase, and this might not be exactly verbatim, but uh, something along the lines of... All too often, we would rather be right than be like Jesus. And that struck me for several reasons. First of all, it's true. It, it, it rung true. And I can think of certainly moments in, in my head, in my heart, in my actions where that has definitely been true. I wanted to make sure people knew that I was right. And as a result, um, acted in an unchristlike manner, which then by definition makes me wrong, right? Because if I'm acting in a way in opposition to how Jesus would act, that is wrong. So no matter how right I think I am, um, to do it in an unchristlike way renders it wrong. So that the first the first confusing thing to me, and what I what I'd love for you to take some time unpacking is, um, do we? Why is that? First of all, why 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 do our hearts tend towards wanting to be more? wanting to be right rather than being like Jesus. And in particular, what, what makes a professing Christian who claims surrender to Jesus as Lord believe that Jesus doesn't actually know what he's talking about and that my way is better? Go. Well, I mean, I think that's a complicated, it's certainly a complex question, and there's a lot of different angles to this. The, the thing that pops into my mind is the reason that I or anyone, I think human nature, the reason that I want to be right and is because I want to be God. So um, I know that's small and that's a simple thing, but that's a very basic, that's the root of sin, right? Is that I want yeah. to be 
I want to be God. I want to be God of my own life. And so if I'm going to be God, I need I need to be right. I need to be just. I, I think you to touched be... on something that's important to, to clarify. God of my own life, right? Very few of us actually want to be like the deity who controls all things. So it's easy to, to dismiss that and go, well, I don't want to be God. I don't want to be in control of all things, but the God of my own life. I want to have absolute authority over my own life. Yeah. Yeah, except I think and yours that there's a little I, bit too. Right. I think that I think that we tend to want to have like we just don't want to be responsible for everybody's life, but we sure would like right. to have that kind of control because sure. we we see we show that when we want to convince people to see things like us, we get really frustrated when other people don't see things right. the way that we see them. Right. I I think that we I think the human nature is not just that we want to be God of our own lives. I think it's we want to be seen as godly or godlike or or seen as god of our own even if it is of our own world then we see these clashes but we get really upset when people don't think exactly like us and see things exactly the same way that we do that is that is interesting i mean if we think about what what are those longings that we're often reacting out of right or the things that we're responding to i'm a, i'm upset because i'm not receiving the praise that i think is due i'm upset because i don't believe I'm receiving the respect that I believe I'm due, or I don't have the authority that I believe I should have. And when we think about those things, I am not receiving praise, authority, submission, honor. Like, right. That's literally worship. Like, yeah. I'm bummed that you're not worshiping yeah. me. Yeah. So if you think about it, if I actually believe that I am a fallible human being, then I wouldn't act with shock and horror if someone says I'm wrong about something. Right. I wouldn't assume that I wouldn't be wrong. I wouldn't assume that my my just being really sure about something would mean that it is obviously true, if that makes sense. Yeah. I, I, I would leave open the idea. The only time, and, and I, I, I see this in Christianity a lot, that I, I've said that the only time I should be that confident is when Scripture is that clear. So I'm never I'm never that confident in my own opinions or interpretations or understandings or thoughts like never. I just I I just have been wrong too much. I feel like of yeah. my in my own I, I've changed on so many things. But scripture's clarity gives me confidence. And and so there there is that. So I think I think that's one reason why we um why we would rather be right is we just it just is such a shock to our system when we're told we're wrong or when someone challenges us on anything or and so we then want to be right now even when we're biblically right you've made the point that you can be biblically right on something that is biblically clear and confident in that and still be wrong and so I still would hold that even if you're allowing for the idea that okay I could be wrong well what about in those situations where I, I, I don't believe I am because scripture is so clear on this particular issue. And even then, I feel like I would still hold to that statement that we often would rather be um, right than Christ-like. Hmm. And I think then you go into questions of, okay, well, what well, isn't being right? Isn't Christ like being Christ-like also being right? Like, because Jesus is never wrong. And right. There's a there's a there's a fundamental assumption in that contrast. If it's between, well, I'm either going to be right or I'm going to be like Jesus, we are by definition then saying Jesus is wrong. 
And while we would never say that, I mean, typically we wouldn't say that. As a professing Bible-believing Christian, we've, we're at least smart enough and adept enough to know, well, I don't say Jesus is wrong, but our tendency is to say, but certainly the way he's encouraging me to do this is ridiculous. So we certainly wouldn't do it that way. We would do this other way that seems more reasonable and rational to us, which is the same thing. Even if I'm not uttering those words, my actions are declaring, I believe Jesus is wrong. His way of doing this can't possibly be the right way. Right. And and that's what... It seems like a problem. It does seem... It is a problem. But I think it comes back to that idea that I want to be seen as right. Mm. It's just not enough for me to be right in the moment. So here's an example that I I didn't use on Sunday um, from Scripture. So we have when Jesus um, comes upon the scene of the woman who's caught in adultery and she is being stoned or she's about to be stoned. And, you know, you have that famous scene where Jesus says, you know, he who is without sin cast the first stone. And he writes whatever he writes mysteriously um, in the sand. And then one by one, it says, starting with the older, people leave. And what has always struck me about that, and I've, I've pointed this out before, but I think it's, it's important and it's been very helpful to me, that what strikes me about that is all of those people could have walked away thinking that Jesus was pro-adultery hmm. or that he didn't think it was a big deal. Because he doesn't ever confront the sin of adultery in front of the other people. He only does that with her. Nobody is left. He says, is there anyone left? Is there no one left to condemn you? And she says, no one. Which, you know, unless all those people turned around and stopped and now they're his audience and they're all like weeping and saying they're so sorry that they did this. But that's not the scene that's painted. It's the scene that's painted is they all leave. Hmm. And it's just Jesus and this woman caught in adultery and he says to her, go and sin no more. So to her, he says, essentially, adultery is sin. This is not honoring to God. Go and honor God. But everybody who left could have left with the narrative, well, adultery isn't that big of a deal. Jesus was all was telling us that mm. we were wrong for wanting to stone her. Mm. And I think that's a helpful illustration or, or because... You're looking at this and saying, well, the question isn't, is adultery wrong or not? The question is, how do you minister and love the person that's in front of you? Yeah. And so Jesus seems not bothered at all by people seeing him as right, which is funny. The one person in human history who has always been right doesn't seem to care very much if people have a perception that he is right or not. You see that when they ask him about the Sabbath or they ask him about any of the law— he addresses them in such a way that he doesn't even really answer the question in the, in the sense that they were wanting him to. He, he never proves or tries to prove like that he is right in his understanding. Um, he, he goes after what the real issue is. He, he ministers to the person in the way that, that the Father wills, not in the way that would make him cast him in the best light in any given situation. Mm. That is... I think that's such a crucial distinction, the difference between being right and being seen as being right. Because mm-hmm. if my if my greater concern is your perception of me, 
then I'll even I'll even dig in my heels on something I know to be objectively wrong. Like you may have actually convinced me in that argument, but I'm so desperate for you to see me as right that right. I'm going to stick to my guns in that. And and what's what feels so dangerous about that is is Jesus himself warning. And the worst part about the the lost is is that they they're more concerned about the glory that comes from men than the glory that comes from God. And and in even though he's speaking about people that he would arguably say are lost he's speaking about the religious elite speaking about those within what we would say like within the church but don't realize that they're more concerned about the glory that comes from men than the glory that comes from god and 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 that is the trap that i fall into if i am worried more about being perceived as right i'm i'm seeking that glory from you i want you to acknowledge me as being right rather than being able to take a take a step back and say who cares what you think if if God has said, man, this is the right way to walk through this, then I want the glory that comes from God. I want to be able to walk in obedience to him, regardless of if, if I'm the only one, if everyone else be a fool, let God be true. That, that is just so, so difficult for me, for us. Uh, I don't know, maybe just me, but that, that feels difficult because it, it feels much more, um, the pull in the moment is, is mighty drawing me towards, but, but what do you think about me? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think, I think that is one big issue. I think another legitimate issue that people bring up though is, okay, what if I don't care? Doesn't God care that I speak truth? Doesn't God like, so now, even if you can get past that and you say, "I, I don't care what this person thinks, I'm willing to say hard things. Um, and, and in that, yes, there is a, there is a time and a place to say hard things, but hard things are never unloving things and with unloving demeanors. We think we're really good at hiding that. We think that we say things in a kind way. We think that we like, well, no, I said that in a kind way or whatever. But the reality is that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Right. And you really, we are not nearly as good at hiding our feelings about something as we think we are. And so I think... You know that there is no replacement. There is no substitute for genuinely loving the person that you are speaking to. There's or interacting with them. There, there's just no substitute for that. And the only way that that comes is by submitting to Christ in that. And that's the, that's where Jesus is. That's where Paul is when when we talked about those passages this right. weekend. That there is this grief over mm-hmm. people who are choosing a path of destruction. There's, there's no self-righteousness in it. There's no um, pride in it. There's no, there's no, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Smugness in, hmm. in yeah. like, yeah. oh, well, I see this the right way and you see this the wrong way. There's no disgust. There is just grief. And there is a desire to love that person back to, you know, or, or towards Jesus. Yeah. Oh man, disgust. That's that's such a uh, that's a rough word, um, but it's so true. That that sense of oh, I would never be like that person. Oh, how could they possibly be like that? Think like that? Believe like that? That that um, that just contempt that can stir in us towards that other person, and that is the antithesis of Christ-likeness, right? I mean, yeah. Jesus' heart breaks for these people, and and, and that idea that, that our hearts can tend towards that place of, 
of disgust and, and really finding ourselves aligning with the Pharisee in Jesus' parable, um, the one who prays, Father, thank you. God, thank you that you did not make me like this person, that person, and that guy over there, rather than than being like the tax collector in that moment who is who approaches God with humility and, and a enough self-awareness to know he is not as awesome as he thinks he is, and God is way more awesome than he dares to believe that he is. Yeah, and it, this it's not it's not easy like there's it's a battle and i think we need to realize that it's going to be a battle that there are times where um where loving a person is going to be not insisting that you are right not insisting on your own way not not insisting that everybody sees um what your what your stance is on a particular issue or whatever i mean we see that a, ro- a lot right now it's all the time in social media where someone can espouse a worldview or a point, and even if it's completely anti-biblical, the response can't be one of anger or um, or condescension. Condescension, yeah. Like it should, it should always be, um, it should be gracious and loving and kind, and um, and again, quick to listen. We don't, we're not just quick to listen to things that are true. We need to listen to people. And, and we can disagree with them, and we don't need to be always so concerned with making sure that, that we correct everything or that, we, that we, we can't confuse the idea that I can love this person and support them even if I disagree with them. And I don't always have to worry about, like, well, if I express support for this person, then that means I'm condoning all of these ideas and all of these thoughts. Well, again— right. I go back to Jesus. He clearly supported the woman caught in adultery. He clearly supported sinners that he ate with. He was constantly like that was a big part of the criticism of him was that he was condoning sinful actions because he was associating with them. Right. And we just that's just not true. I mean, he he sets that example over and over and over again. But we look at it and we we tend to think we know better. And we say, well, no, I can't associate with them because then that means I would condone these ideals or these beliefs. Man, and gosh, there's, and there's so much in that where there, there's this, I think this basic underlying assumption that we, that we carry into all of these interactions where we believe what, the thing that will fix the problem is just new information. Right. right. Because we're just, we're all fundamentally thinking beings and everything is this very conscious decision and it is... And the, the reason that you're doing that is because you don't have the correct information. So if I can just give you the right information, if I can convince you how wrong your ideas are, that will transform your heart. But I, I find it difficult to believe that the woman caught in adultery did not know that adultery was wrong. Right? That's why she had to get caught, because she was sneaking around, because she knows that it's wrong. So she doesn't—the problem is not, well, if she just understood adultery is wrong— she would clearly never make such a horrible decision, and she would be a better person. the The problem is not disordered information. The problem is disordered hearts. And Jesus knows that well enough to say, "Me declaring a, the obvious that that every single listener in this context knows adultery is bad. That's why we're all here because everybody knows this is bad." And he doesn't. He doesn't address the information aspect of it. He addressed the heart aspect of it, both in the accusers and in the woman. 
right? So the accusers is what is your heart in pointing out how wrong this woman is? And he, and he addresses that. And then the woman, he compassionately says, like, look, you and I both know this was a terrible choice. So let's let's not do this, right? Like he doesn't he doesn't give her a lecture on why mm-hmm. adultery is bad and the theology of marriage and what like he he doesn't do any of that. He just because he understands the information was not the problem. Right. He, the the problem was a disordered mm-hmm. heart and so he he addresses that from the only way that you can address a disordered heart through love and compassion. Mm. Yeah. I love that, that that the issue is not lack of information. If we could just grasp that, then maybe we wouldn't feel the need to blast social media with 15 articles that, that you know, are most likely just propaganda for whatever worldview right. that I hold, um, and that we would actually be concerned about people's hearts in the midst of it, and their, their searching and their seeking, and and to realize that People see when God gives them eyes to see. They they don't see when we try to give them eyes to see through more information. They see when God opens their eyes. And yeah. and so as long as I am as long as I'm loving people and yes, speaking, you know, Jesus did confront that, but that's because that's what was most loving in that moment was to say that to her and to encourage her and exhort her in something which I agree with you that she already knew was wrong. And if she didn't think that was wrong, then no lecture that Jesus was going to give her was right. going to change that. Right. And we see that now, that it doesn't matter how, like, we can throw out all the arguments we want for whatever, pick whatever political issue you want. I mean, clearly, I mean, there's so many. Um, any 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 biblical issue that has been politicized. And it's not more information. It's this is all heart conditions, and if it's a heart condition, then we need to minister to the heart, and and Jesus shows us how to do that over and over and over again, consistently, and and so over and over, and the writers of the yeah. epistles continue to affirm yes. that over and over and over yeah. again. So I mean, Paul, I, I you do made me think of Philippians. I think it's Philippians chapter one. He says that my my prayer is that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you can approve what's excellent. Like it's like, yes, we're not, we're not anti-knowledge. We're not anti-information. Um, but, but what comes first is the love. The prayer is that your love may abound more than more and more. And then that love is, is what, what motivates and generates the speaking of truth, not the other way around. More information doesn't generate love. Love generates the biblical knowledge and discernment so that we can, we can both declare and demonstrate the gospel in a winsome way. Yes. So if I'm thinking practically at this point of saying, okay, I, I still think somebody could listen to this and say, well, then does it, so I just don't ever tell somebody that something is sin hmm. or I don't ever express that I disagree, um, you know, with, with, the solutions. I mean, we see this right now a lot, like I said, in, in political realms, and, and I know I'm using a lot of political illustrations, but that's what's going on right now, and that's what's going to continue to go on until this next election, but it's also happening. We've seen that with the Black Lives Matter movement, and there's been this, like, well, I can't I can't condone all of these things or, or, or whatever, and, and just saying, we, we can, you can listen, you can grieve, you can you cannot be surprised that someone who doesn't 
believe in the gospel would come up with other solutions that you wouldn't agree with. And that's all, you know, those are, that's all fine to, to express that or to at least, you know, feel that and to believe that and to think that, but not be worried that because I show understanding means that I'm going to be condoning all these things. So I think Mm -hmm. that's one Mm -hmm. really important practical thing as we're dealing with all these things is don't get so torn up about like, well, if I say this, then that means I'm agreeing with all of these things. Well, that's, that's, that's propaganda. I mean, that's what happens when people try to get to show things as black and white and to paint some side as evil. That's what happens. And, and we see it happen both ways all the time in whatever issue, whatever situation that you want to come up with. But then the question is, okay, but do I ever, is there ever a time and a place to speak up or to express um, views or to speak truth or to give information. So what would you say to that, Robbie? Like when, when do we do that? Do we ever do that? Is it always just, we smile and nod at people and, you know, or is there a time and a place? I'm trying to figure out if you're setting a trap here. So I'm going to go ahead and just walk right into <laughs> I'm it. I'm not, I'm not and say, <laughs> say yes. I mean, obvious. Uh, yeah. I mean, it feels okay, obvious well, that there's know? certainly a time to speak that uh, to, and to me and maybe this is where you're you might need to help clarify the question to me the the question is not is there a time to speak hard truth the question is in what way do we speak hard truth and what is my motivation in doing so so if 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 somebody is I mean, we're biblically commanded if you see somebody on you know engaging in a sin uh, that that we that we would lovingly and compassionately exhort them to to stop and and come back to Christ in that thing to depend on him rather than whatever it is that they're depending on in that moment so i, I don't think anybody could biblically argue we are never supposed to speak truth i mean scripture is and right. Je- the example of jesus life is saturated with speaking truth to, to me, the hang-up is, what is my motivation for it, right? Is my motivation sincere love for that person, compassion, empathy for that person, or is my is my motivation, I, I want to make sure that person knows how wrong they are? Or am I, am I able to communicate this in a way that is gracious? And as Jesus says, seasoned with salt, right, which makes food better, it makes it taste better, right? Does it not? We don't we don't heap a pound of it on it to make it horrible and painful. It's it's seasoned, right? So it's it's mm-hmm. bringing out the nuance and the the delightful flavors of that thing. It's making it better. Am, am I approaching it in that way, uh, or do I see this as my opponent that I'm trying to defeat? So I. I and maybe maybe this is a bad answer, but I I would say I I'm less concerned about somebody thinking I should never I should never speak truth, mm-hmm. um, because if we're if we're following the Spirit, there are certainly moments when 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 the Holy Spirit in us is going to give us that urging of this is not okay, this is hurting this person that we love, and just like anyone that we care about, if they're about to walk into the street and and a bus is coming. We're going to say, goodness, you, you have to stop. Don't go into the street. If I, if I see you engaging in, 
in a relationship or an activity or a line of thought that is corrosive to you and your family and the church, like I'm going to pull you aside and say, brother, I love you too much to let you continue to walk in this. But, but I have to check my, like if, if I'm, if I'm enjoying every second of that, like if I'm going into that meeting going, I can't wait to tell Jay all the ways that he is wrong. Like, man, that is sin. That is not me speaking truth. That is not me addressing sin. That is me delighting in sin, actually, because I'm delighting in my own sin of vengeance and, and, and pride and proving you wrong. When, when we're truly at a place of, of hating sin, that can't, I believe that can't help but produce a genuine and sincere love for the person who is enslaved by it. Because if I really hate that thing, I see it as our common enemy, and I see that person as a person just like me who who needs my help right i don't i don't stand on the edge of the boat and mock the drowning man and and accuse him for all the bad decisions that he made that got him in the water right i go oh my goodness i would be terrified if i was drowning how do i what inflatable objects are at my disposal that i can throw at him and or do i need to jump in myself like because I, I don't know. I, yeah. I'm, I'm getting well, on a I bit think, of a rabbit trail here. But. but that part right there is, so that's what I had thought and, and written down was, okay, so I, I love that, that once your your motivations, like what is my motivation? Who am I actually trying to please right now? Which is what, you know, again, that was talked right. about in the, the sermon. And then the question is, what does this, if I'm going to do what's most loving for this person, then I have to ask the question, what do they most need right now? Yeah. What do they most need? And spoiler, the the answer is going to rarely be information. Right. It may be sometimes, but that question will be clarified. So if you're sitting with somebody and you're having dinner and they say to you, and you're sitting with a non-believer, for example, and they say to you, hey, can you help me understand why being pro-life is so important? Like why, why to the Christian or to you in, in your views, like why is that? Well, then... Maybe that makes sense at that time because that's what they're asking for. But I think saying what do they need most right now, and you, your illustration of the drowning man, well, what the drowning man needs most right now is something to help them not drown. Right. Um, and we see this in Scripture. So when people have this debate over, like, should we feed the hungry or should we tell them about Jesus? Because what they really need is Jesus. Right. Well, right. in that moment, if they're starving, what they need most in that moment right there, what is most loving is to give them food. And then to share with them the God who provides all things for them. Right. Like that's, it's, it starts to clarify, I think, a little bit. If I love the person, if my heart is in a place where my desire is to honor God and to love this person that's in front of me, now I'm in a place where I could ask the question, what do they need most right now? Mm, do they good. need to be listened to? Like if someone's really upset and is grieving and they're sharing things and they're sharing hurts that they've experienced is that the time that I want to dissect each one of those hurts and say, well, but is that really what that person meant? Is that mm. really how, you know, is that how I would have felt or whatever? No, that's the time. What they need most is to know that somebody is going to listen to them. Hmm. Um, if yeah. they are, if they're in a destructive behavior that is right now endangering them, like you said, running out in the middle of the street, what they need most right then is to be stopped, you know, is to be like tackle them to the ground. That isn't the time even then is not the time to give information on what happens when buses come colliding into you. Right. Like sometimes you just tackle them. 
and sometimes it sometimes it is information sometimes it is a listening ear sometimes it's intervention sometimes it just depends on who that person is to you how god has placed you in their path and and you know and then trusting him and, and listening to the holy spirit and stepping out in humble faith humble faithful obedience because yeah. knowing you may be wrong so you may step out and say oh, i think what this person needs right now is is to be told this but you do so you step with humility being open to realizing oh i was wrong um you know i had that situation recently where someone brought something to me i thought in that moment what they needed was like like let's discuss and debate this issue yeah but then i discovered that that wasn't what they needed what they needed was to be was to be heard and to express something that was frustrating to them. And I then, I had to go back and ask for forgiveness and say, I didn't, I didn't read that correctly. And I, and I was wrong in doing this. And, um, and it's, it's irrelevant about, do I still believe the point that I was trying to make? Or do I think that, you know, I was wrong in the point I was trying to make? That's all irrelevant. What was relevant is that I have this person in front of me that I'm called to love and I, and I didn't give them what was most honoring to God and mm. what they needed most in that moment, mm. what would be most loving to them. And, you know, but fortunately, that's why forgiveness is available to us and reconciliation right. and everything, and everything's, everything's good there. But I think it's something to just be reminded of that if we, if we start with the, so to kind of sum up all of this, if I could try to sum up what we've shared here, because there's been a lot of, it seems a little bit shotgunny, I feel like, but we questioning my own heart, like what is my desire to please God and to be seen and to delight, by the way, delighting in his delight of me. Yeah. Like that's one thing we yeah. need to learn to do. Like if I don't, if I don't enjoy bringing pleasure and honor to God, if that doesn't fill me with more enjoyment than other things, then I will always go after what gives me more enjoyment. And so if telling people that they're wrong, or being right is truly what I enjoy and what I delight in, then it doesn't matter what we talk about in this podcast or anything else. You're going to constantly chase that. That's right. And so checking my heart and saying, do I delight in delighting my Lord? Do I, do I, is that what I take pleasure in? If so, now, now I'm going in the right direction in that. And then asking the question, what does this person need most? What is most loving to this person in this moment? Um, and then, and then just doing that and, and doing it though humbly and checking as you're doing that, listening to the spirit and saying, oh, okay, oops, I, I missed that. Yeah. Yeah. And under, yeah, understanding that I'm not going to nail it every time, nope. but, but that forgiveness is always there and we forgive as we have been forgiven. We seek forgiveness in those things. I think, uh, you know, each time we stumble, we get back up again, right? We don't, we don't assume we're going to land in a, right. in a, in a, rhythm that we never stumble ever again i think it's good man really good way to put a nice bow on the end of that one that was really good that's that's what they call me the old bow tire i would like to get to my salad now please have you seen my salad have you? that was much more bold the way you just said that there <laughs> it wasn't i'm so I'm learning glad you, i'm, I'm glad learning from you, you. yeah <laughs> I'm glad you get to eat your salad now. So I hope if anyone else is listening to this during their lunchtime, that they are enjoying their lunch. I hope you all have a great day. Mm-hmm.